0: Welcome to the Unstoppable Recording Machine Podcast Brought to you by Balaguer Guitars Founded in 2014, Balaguer Guitars strives to bring modern aesthetics And options to vintage-inspired designs Go to balaguerguitars.com for more info This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Fishman Inspired performance technology Fishman is dedicated to helping musicians of all styles Achieve the truest sound possible Wherever and whenever they plug in Go to fishman.com for more info and now your hosts, Joel Wanasek and A.L. Levy.
1: Welcome to the Unstoppable Recording Machine Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Wanasek, and with me is Mr. A.L. Levy and Bo Burchell of Sayosin. And we are going to crit the shit out of some mixes today. How you guys doing?
2: Great. Oh, I'm rearing to go. <laughs> rearing to go. <laughs> yeah, I've been locked up in a box for like the past week, and I haven't seen any light my owner comes by and just hits the the cage with (laughs) with paddles, and then they make me fight this other guy at the end of the cage for two scraps of raw meat. This is it. I have to poop inside of a Folgers can, and I have to drink my own pee, and uh, I have not seen sunlight in days, and I'm ready to go! I'm ready
3: to do this! I can't wait to
2: declip declip your audio when I
1: mix this. (laughs) Fuck it, I'll leave it in there. (laughs) I mean, we use clippers on drums, why not on the podcast, right? (laughs)
4: Bo, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. I mean, I'm not. I have been. I've been cooped up in a similar cage, uh, but I've just been here by myself mixing. Um, I'm gonna start a band called the Cage Master. <laughs> if you guys want to be in my video, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. What's uh? Whenever I commit to being in a band, I just have to figure out what the uh, I have to know what the wardrobe is gonna be like beforehand. That's, I don't care about the music, just the wardrobe. <laughs>
1: the wardrobe. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm gonna affiliate with Brazers, so be creative. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right.
2: So not much, not much, not much.
1: (laughs) I'm in whatever you want, as long as you can fit back in that cage at the end. That's all I care about. (laughs)
2: Okay. (laughs) Yeah, and it doesn't matter for me because I'll be in a cage the whole time, just like, (laughs) just like walking around on all fours, trying to eat food off the ground that I get once a week. You know.
1: (laughs) Hey, do we ever get hate mail on this thing? Like, people are like, "Did you guys are a bunch of fucking deranged psychos? What the hell's wrong with you?"
2: I think that. Whoever sends us hate mails entitled to go fuck themselves. So um, <laughs> let's let's talk about Seosin and Bo. We were talking about this earlier.
4: What's it like hearing so many versions of your own song? I mean, it, it's it's not. I mean, it's it's weird, but it's not weird. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's weird in the sense of. Man, I don't even know how to explain it. Other than you guys might know the feeling when you try to go and remix a song that's already been done. It's like, well, that's just. It's like once the song has been mixed, like that's the song now. Like that mix is part of the song, and whenever you whenever you hear it a different way, it's kind of like, well, that's that's not really the song. Like that doesn't feel right. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like yeah. it's almost like I'm hearing all these different versions of the song, you know? And especially with a couple of these mixes. I mean, people taking some liberties on oh, the yeah. track, yeah, man. Yeah, there's been some real uh exercising their uh creative liberties for sure. Stop rooting sales in for me. No, it's it, it's it's been cool though. Um it, and it's been fun to kind of get taken back to oh man, like I remember when I used to try to do all those tricks and like I wasn't quite I didn't know how to use all those things yet or like when I used to care about like Oh man, I really need these tools to to mix better, you know, where whereas now it's kind of like, man, I'll just I was even having some fun when I'm kind of going over my session like just using like the stock Pro Tools plugins versus the the plugins that I might usually go for. And, you know, I think a lot of the other mixers have said it too. You kind of get the same results because you're you're guided by your ear and and what you want to hear, not so much like where the gear takes you.
1: Yeah, that's an important point, and I think it's especially important because a lot of people I feel like Want to run before they walk. And this is something that you commonly see on the forums. It's like everybody comes in and they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to do this parallel thing and then this. I'm going to sidechain this to this and do that. And it's just like, well, you could have just put EQ on it and raised the fader and got a much better result. But it's cool <laughs> that you went through all that trouble and it still doesn't sound right. <laughs> right.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes they just, I mean, I feel like one of the biggest lessons people need to learn on, I mean, at least with this track in particular is that it it just didn't need much to begin with you know and sometimes you i think sometimes the the hardest thing to to overcome in, in when you're mixing is like it's it's not about flexing how much you know and how much shit you can do to a mix and how much you can change it sometimes you've you're given a song and it's like man this sounds sounds like they wanted it this way i guess i'll just kind of make it sound a little bit better and now i'm done like you don't have to you know, bring out every tool that you own and like work on it. I think it's also important to note precedent.
1: I mean, for example, you guys have got quite a few records out and um, some ones that have done exceptionally well. So it's kind of like you can go and listen to the entire back catalog and then if you turn in something that's way off base... That's probably usually a pretty good indicator that that's not going to fly. I mean, at some point, I'm assuming you guys sat down and really spent a lot of time working out, like, what is and What is Seosin about? You know, what does it look like? What does it sound like? What guitar tone are we going to use? And, like, you know, you, you organically built your thing. Mm-hmm. And then if you kind of come in and radically try to transform that randomly on, you know, <laughs> a couple records right. down the line... It's gonna piss some people off in the fan base and may not jive with some of the people in the band. Right. So you gotta be careful to not get overzealous, as my point as a mixer. I mean, which is weird because I was doing a mix rescue today and people were asking me about like putting post production in songs. And I was just like, fucking go for it because, you know, the worst thing a band can say is no. But I precluded that with, hey, always go to the band first and be like, I got some cool ideas and stuff that I want to try. Are you guys open to any X, Y, and Z? And if the band says, yeah, sure, go for it, then, you know, it's open season and you can take some liberties and absolutely you should go for it, because the worst they can say is, you know, cut all that crap out, we don't like it. But if the band is like, eh, uh, I don't know, man, you know, then you gotta you should think twice before you start getting creative. So again, precedent is always a good indicator. Like if a band has, you know, 10 records that are kind of like, like ACDC, you know, like 18 records that are similar, and then all of a sudden you start putting dubstep wobbles on the new record that might not jive right. with uh, management and A&R. <laughs> and-
2: Let, let's <laughs> just say that if I was in the real world, getting a gig as a test mix for a Seosin song, I would do my best to keep it within the uh within the rules of what I know Seosin to be. Yeah. Unless I was specifically told to do otherwise.
1: Yeah, so no fucking glitching vocals and all that horseshit.
2: <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you do the job, you don't do what what you wish the job was.
4: Yeah, I mean I, I feel like I feel like maybe the the subscribers had maybe a disadvantage in this sense. As well as, you know, and I'm not saying... I mean, obviously, we're probably one of the smaller bands on Nail the Mix, but, like, I would say that the majority of the time when you're working, like, with these... I mean, I don't... Whatever, like, the, non, the non-local bands, I guess, most of the time you're gonna have a conversation with the producer or the band that kind of lays out the guidelines of what they're looking for to begin with. Like, rarely will you ever get a mix that's kind of like hey I don't know you Steve you want to do a test mix cool show me what you got here's no guidance at all you know Uh,
2: however they do get a reference mix which is the one that was released yeah and so even though they're not instructed to copy that right you can at least see there's no glitchy vocals right there's no sub drops there's no death metal (laughs) kick drums yeah there's like it's in a box. It's in its own box, right. but it's in a box. And like, you don't go outside that box on a test mix. Yeah, give it in the genre. You know, if you're auditioning the next for the next Big Mac formula. You're auditioning a few different formulas. You're not going to even. Sh- and you know, the dude has to taste ten different Big Mac iterations on a line. One of them is not gonna suddenly be a grilled chicken sandwich.
1: (laughs) Dude, I got it. All right, Bo, next time you guys wanna do a record, send it to me. I'll put it through the Attila template and I'll make you sound just like Attila.
4: Perfect. Done.
1: It'll be like the, it'll be perfect. I mean, like Anthony through Franz's chain. (laughs) You you don't even know, man.
4: You don't even know. I I will, next record. Bro, you don't even
1: know. So should we listen to some mixes and crit them, or uh, yeah, yeah, it's time. It's time to. Uh, or should we keep bar philosophizing about uh, why you shouldn't put vocal glitches and drops and weird shit no, on, on it's, a it's,
2: mix? It's time to get real here. We're gonna start with a mix by Gustav Gerstad, and this is uh, Gustav's version of the Silver String by Seosin. stad's version of The Silver String by Seosin, and I gotta say that you know, out of a lot of the different mixes I've been hearing lately, this is one of the better ones to my ears. Am I gonna be the bad guy again today? Yeah, feel, no, <clears throat> hey, feel free, to, feel free to tell me that I'm fucking wrong. I mean, I could be fucking wrong.
1: I think he did a good job, but i'm gonna I'm gonna come in I'll give you I've got four major things here that I think uh, need to be addressed two of them are kind of the same thing so first off I feel like the shells and the cymbals don't really gel on the kit they feel like it, it's like drums in space kind of like there it doesn't feel like a drum kit to me like this kind of samples he's got going on with the kind of the way he's mixed the symbols like there's no glue there. I don't know. It, it just feels disconnected to me. The second thing I have is the guitars are super muddy and masking in a lot of parts. Third, where's the damn bass? Like, it's it's not, like, it's not there enough. And the mix gets really muddy on super dense parts, so he really needs to work on creating more space in this mix. Those are the four things. And again, like, points two and four are kind of the same thing. The guitars are muddy and masking, but I feel like it really becomes apparent when you start getting a lot of dense elements and uh, it gets... It, it, it just gets to be a bit of a mess and it could be
4: cleaned up better. Gustav, I thought you were great. I thought you were fantastic. I wouldn't change a thing. I'm just kidding. Um, no. <laughs> you guys are like, what?
3: That was savage. You guys
4: are like, what the hell? Um, no, I mean... I, Matter of fact, you're doing the next record. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're in. Um, you're on for the re-release. Okay, so a couple of things. I think that like when the song started... I really felt like the drums could have just come in slamming a lot harder and that's something that I even struggled with too because in almost all the mixes that I heard because the song has such a strange arrangement to me like it comes in just kind of screaming like I don't know if if you guys are familiar with Circus Survive, this song has a, yeah. has a very yeah. similar starting point to that song Act Appalled which is one of my favorite Circus Survive songs so it comes in right away it's like
3: you won't straight
4: you know so it's just coming in balls to the wall first and then you have to figure out a way to make the chorus even be a chorus after that when everything that's going on in the chorus is fighting against being a chorus in the sense of you've got a high energetic vocal in the verse but then the the vocal for the chorus actually drops down a little bit and gets more mellow so anyways yeah, drums didn't really hit hard enough on that intro fill for me, and I felt like the the verb on the intro guitar could have been dialed down a little bit. I felt like the part of the beauty of that little plug-in noise was that it makes something small, so something to compare the drum fill with, and in doing, making that intro feedback bigger, you kind of made the rest of the, the band sound small, if that makes sense. I felt like the kick was a little too loud, the overall drum verb, like snare verb, especially, I was hearing like a lot of like 200, 250, like boxiness in that verb, which I'm kind of noticing a lot in like some of the cheaper verbs, or if you're not EQing, or um, mainly like pre EQ and post EQ on your verbs can fix that a lot, but it just kind of has that synthetic snare verb sound. It's kind of like the do, and then the uh, the Lincoln Park kind of like tweaked out vocal section kind of threw me off for a minute um i thought some of the stuff was pretty cool but like we were kind of just talking about i think that if you were to just send that to someone right off the bat you probably would not get the gig um just based on like you know like man this is not even like this is just your first mix and you're already trying to change our song Like, like we, (laughs) like we spent, uh, week. Or, I mean, think about this. Like, let's just say that the bass player, and I mean, there's, there's so much shit that happens behind the scenes. And I always take kind of a more conservative route because of this. You know, like there may have been a huge argument between the band and the producer that they wanted, like the producer wanted a glitch in there, and the band, like, was anti it for sure. And then you not knowing that, you put this glitch in there, and now all of a sudden, the band is up in arms with the producer again. Like, see, even the fucking mixer guy thought it needed a glitch in there. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and it's like The producer calls you and threatens to kill you. Totally, yeah. And now he's all pissed off, you know, and it's like, and now the whole attitude, it's like there's so much shit like that that you just. You never know what's been going on, so I always take the more conservative route. And it's like if they want some shit in there, like they'll tell me. But for the most part, if I'm being hired to mix, I'm just mixing. And throughout your dialogue, you know, you may be able to call the band or the producer and say like, "Hey, like I'm I'm feeling like kind of a thing right here. Like, you cool if I try that? Like, like you know, like what Joel and all were saying. But I think to just throw it in there right off the bat. It's cool because it showcases your talent, but at the same time, I think that's a, a real quick way of losing a mix.
1: Yeah, you gotta know your client.
4: Yeah. I, I feel like, and then there was like a, back to the muddy thing on the guitars, it sounded like there was a strange like verb or a slap, like verb on the guitars, maybe causing them to be distant sounding, but I felt like that same kind of thing. Like the guitars were just kind of pushed back and and muddy muddy sounding, but not like in a in an EQ way. It was almost like a masked reverb way.
1: Have you mixed this song before, Bo? Because it sounds like you really know what you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah I've, uh, I had to mix it. You know, and I think I said this was the first song that I mixed on the record. And, you know, the first mix is always the hardest one because it kind of sets... It has to be the mix that... Uh, At least for this record, it was kind of a diverse record where there's soft songs and heavy songs. And this song was kind of in the middle of the road, which is why we picked it to mix first. So it kind of had to feel heavy enough where it wouldn't sound so different from the heavy songs and so different from the light songs. So yeah, we spent a ton of time on this one. I think by the time I got it right, it was like mix four or five or something like that. That's not so bad. I remember... Er were the days of mix thirty seven. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, for me that's pretty bad. I mean, like, like there's been a few records I've been doing lately. I feel like I'm just in a groove where it's like, okay, here's like you know your five song EP that we just produced and I mixed. Like, get back to me with mix notes. Cool. Can we make the ending vocal sound like it's in a hallway? Great. Record's done you know, like, absolutely zero mix recalls. So, I don't know, I'm just in a good spot right now. But yeah, all that being said, four mixes for me is kind of on the high side. I'm usually able to get it, like, within the first two Possibly, possibly three. As far as like done with recalls,
1: we got to do more metalcore bands, man. <laughs> oh
4: man, I just did one, and it was just like that kind of. Uh, did you see like that picture of like the meme, and it was like whatever, and it was like that's like the the brain exploding, and like by the end, it was like mix five hundred and twenty-seven remixed by an elf, mastered by a unicorn, take twenty-seven, <laughs> like you know plus ten <laughs> dB here with a high hair of this, like with the magic potion, this, and it was like recall two hundred and twenty-five. Um, like that's like almost what it was so yeah all all, the metal's hard man it's like you just get dudes dudes like obsessing over you know like oh man my one hi-hat closed hit there i can't quite articulate that enough and you're just like i didn't even know you were hitting the hi-hat there you know like okay you know they just obsess over a lot of crazy stuff that the average person doesn't pick up on. But at the same time, I think that's what makes the genre cool, you know, and what's what makes it challenging and fun to work on as well. Definitely. Sorry. That's very well said. By the way, this is also now becoming the Bobershell podcast. It's just all it's just all me ranting. (laughs) No, you can rant
2: away. Um
4: We love it. Okay, <laughs> all right, cool. What do you think of that house burning down? <laughs> it was pretty sweet. Well, what's funny is, what's funny is, I always just wonder what's going on inside of those houses. You know, like you never know what's going on, and I feel like to get to the bottom of it, you have to watch the whole video. Yeah, well,
2: I feel like I feel like that video really. It shows you that you shouldn't always believe what you see on the news because you may think that the house is burning down, but it clearly is a facade yeah. for something much more nefarious. <laughs> <Yeah. going laughs> on. There's,
4: there's, now everybody's going to be like, there's two sides to every story, you know? <laughs> like,. Someone might look at that and say it's a house burning down. The other one might say, like, you know, like when someone says the roof is on fire, you know, it could mean two very different things. Now I'm going to
1: get 2,000 emails being like, what's this
2: house thing you guys keep talking about on the podcast? Maybe the best video ever. All right, let's move on to the next song. This is next, song. Uh, next mix. Next mix. Sorry.
1: This I, is we by, could do a
2: different song. <laughs> Want to quit a nickelback or something? <laughs> nah. This is The uh, the Silver String by Seo Sin, but mixed by Simon Person. And it was mixed by our uh, subscriber, Simon Person. That was a lot of
4: S's. Yeah. Silver string by Seosin, mixed by Simon. That's right. (laughs)
1: Dude, don't even tongue twister me like that.
2: (laughs) I feel like his symbols are just sandbags.
1: Dude, they're out of control, man. I I don't know what
2: to. I feel like they've got sand in them and he's shaking
4: them around.
2: I don't
4: know. They're weirding me out. I I felt like they were like really thin. Like, uh, and again, you know, I think it's hard to to maybe have me creating this stuff because I know what was recorded. You know, he's using twenty-inch cymbals, and they sounded like because he's high-passing all of that kind of energy out of it. It sounded like he was playing like fifteen-inch cymbals. They're just kind of like to me.
1: Yeah, this is an interesting mix overall. It's. It was funny. I was sitting there hanging out uh, and I got the whole office full of drum forge guys here. And they're like, dude, is this like the, uh, small club live remix? Or? <laughs> <laughs> like it's got that reverb on the voice. Yeah. And I started laughing. I'm like, Oh dude, you're right. It kind of sounds like he's in a, like, 300 cap room um, recording off the board with a drunk sound guy. That's the only way I can explain the mix. <laughs> right. I, I don't, I mean, it's like, where's the
2: bass? Symbols are like really harsh. I can kind of hear the bass, but it sounds way clangy, like metal. But it also doesn't stick out that much. I can barely make it out at certain points.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I mean, like, the snare is super small. The guitar and bass completely don't gel and fit together. And like like I said, the other th- weird thing with the symbols is not only do they sound kind of, like, harsh and weird, um, they, like, burst in volume in certain places. Like, all of a sudden, it just jumps out of the speakers and it's, like, symbol in your face, bitch. All right, I'm going to go back in the mix now. It's, it's just crazy. <laughs> I don't know.
4: Yeah, I felt I felt like the guitars were kind of like harsh and hollow sounding a little bit too. I thought, yeah, with the bass DI, it almost sounded like he used the DI and reamped it somehow. But I felt like there was like this kind of like two K grind that was all I was really hearing out of the bass. Yeah, totally. You know, the reintro into verse two sounded really small. Um, Like when the verse came back in, it was just kind of like really small sounding. The drum compression on the snare, I I feel like. Sometimes I feel like okay, so drum compression to me is kind of weird. You know, I feel like there's a way to make a drummer that's not hitting hard or like hitting the center of a drum and using kind of like that, you know, 20, 25, 30 millisecond attack time to give it some extra kind of attack and stick attack to it. But I find Mm -hmm. that sometimes when you have a drummer that's already hitting really hard. And you try to use that compression on there, you're almost making the length of the drum even smaller than it is. And with a rim shot, it's it's like a much quicker transient. You know what I mean? Like So you're actually yes. making the... It's like by adding the extra attack, you're almost making the drum sound smaller. I think a lot of these dudes need to learn how to use... Uh, the different types of compression on the drums You know, like, I, yes. I feel like on a, on a Sometimes on a rim shot, when the dude's Hitting really hard, a lot of the times You're better off using a limiter or a clipper Rather than trying to, like, get that Extra tick out of the drum, because The tick is just so pronounced anyways That you want to actually get more body and sustain Out of it, so Yeah, I
1: mean, you can also achieve it with simply Adding some top-end EQ yeah. So I'm 100% with you So basically, Simon, what you can do If you want to really get this mix up a level, I think you've really overdone a lot of things, like over EQ things and over complicated things. Like, if you were to zero everything out and, you know, get some bass in there, start over on your guitars and your cymbals, reapproach your drums, and just go back more to like the natural, raw stems and do a little bit less, you'll probably end up in a much closer spot.
4: Yeah. I did. I did. And again, getting. Like, these are the notes that you would get back from a band, also. And for me, a big thing is I don't hate snare, like kick and snare samples or drum samples in general. I just hate hearing them you know like to me the ultimate way of using drum samples is making it to where no one knows that you used them in the first place so yeah absolutely
1: yeah you want to be like that kick sounds awesome not yeah. like
4: ooh that's an interesting sample
1: i like how they blended it with the mid room oh yeah
4: <laughs> yeah so to me like the number one giveaway for samples is misfiring snare and kick samples so at around 58 seconds you've got a misfiring snare sample in the reintro ooh so yeah, check that out. Um, but I th- I feel like he did a fine job getting the song kind of like tamed and like under control, with the exception of the cymbals. But it's just real stale sounding now. You know, it's like so under control that all the energy is gone. So now I feel like the best way to do it is would be Joel said to just start over. But like or
1: yeah, just back it up.
4: Yeah. So you got to figure out a, a lot
1: less of everything
4: you did. Yeah. <laughs> just keep doing what you're doing, but just less.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's easy to overdo things because I, I think when you're mixing, especially when you're you're in that struggling phase of mixing, we'll call it like the first, you know, 5,000 songs you, you mix. There's that whole period where, you, you know, you really feel like, You have to do a lot to get the sounds that you're hearing the big boys do, and you really need to do all this fancy stuff that you just heard about. Again, going back to what we were talking about earlier. And reality is half the time, you get the most massive, ridiculous sounds with the simplest techniques and just doing the right thing in the right place at the right time. And it's easy to overdo things. So you kind of have like this ego thing that tells you, like, hey, man, this mix is going to be really badass if I've got eight plugins on every fucking channel and I use 36 bands of EQ and you know, eighteen levels of parallel compression on sixty seven different
2: compressions. You know what I mean? Like it
1: feels good mixing like that and mixing complicated and doing all this shit, but you always need to ask yourself one central question. What are the problems in this mix? What's wrong with it? And how the fuck do I solve it? If you can answer that it's gonna get you in a much better place. So don't just do something because it you feel like you know it, it makes you feel like a badass mixer. Like, dude, I did this parallel thing and I sidechain this to my dog and the dog's bark. You know, I put a transient designer on, then I reamped it through distortion and I added that under the snare and it sounds great, but it doesn't.
2: But, but it doesn't. Yeah, I agree. So
1: it's easy to just like you know macho mix it, but you know he's just got to back off, come back, less EQ, really think about his approach. Go back to the stems in the beginning, open up the multi and be like, okay, what does this need? You know, listen to the guitars. What problems are they having? The bass, what problems are they having? How are they going to fit with the guitars? Okay, the drums, you know, what problems? How can I get these drums to sound great? You know, how can I get them to sound like a salesin record? You know, what's going to be in line? You know, do I need to absolutely smash the fuck out of it with a compressor and get it super small and pinch sounding or should I go a little more relaxed and open? You know what I mean? So just just think about what you're trying to do and then try to find the simplest road to get there.
2: All right. Now the next song. This one is the Silver String by Seosin with our mixer, David Kaplinger. Silver string.
1: Well, this is an interesting mix. We were just talking about taking a compressor and absolutely racking your drums into transient, spiky, pokey shit and uh, <laughs> totally crushing your mix. Um, man, this guy, David, you really overdid it here. It sounds like you took drums from a completely different genre, like you were going for like a Bendeth-style drum thing for a band that's completely not fucking sales It's so overly like compressed and transient transient, and like it just does it's the complete wrong drum sound for this track so first off redo the drums completely i don't think it would work like the shells are pumping the entire mix i can hear the whole thing duck every time it hits like the tom fills it just it's like whoosh sucks it right in it's it, you're just the drums are way way too brutal and bombastic for this my opinion <laughs>
4: What you I answering? echo you on the drums, man. I don't know what else to add. You nailed it. Yeah, I think here's here's a little a trick that that I've found is kind of interesting. I, I feel like you got some of the the dudes that are working on these mixes. They may not be able to hear that type of like mix bus compression at this point in the game. You know what they need to do? Then they need to join URM Enhanced. That's right. Go
2: to HTTP <laughs> <laughs> URM slash Enhanced and sign up for that and take our hearing compression compression course. Learn how to hear compression. Stop fucking around with knobs. Actually learn to hear what they do. Because once you can actually hear what compressors do, your whole world Your whole mixing world will become like it's like you're flying on an airplane and it's dark and cloudy. And that moment that you burst out into blue skies and just white clouds below you, and it's gorgeous. That's what hearing compression will do for your mixes. If you don't, if you can't hear what these compressors are doing, you need help, son. And we got just the hell for you. <laughs> ales angry as fuck today, and I URM actually like URM.academy slash enhanced. <laughs> slash don't piss AL off. <laughs> <laughs> you know,
1: another thing on this mix, I think the guitars and bass are super muddy. Like, the, the 2K and the guitars is kind of brutal. And, again, they're not gelling. And when I talk about gelling, think about... Let's go to cooking, right? So you eat something, and you're like, that's fucking delicious. You don't taste like, oh, there's a little cumin in there with a little bit of a dash of turmeric, and then there's some thyme. And then I noticed that the uh, the sodium in the broth is perfect, and they used the Himalayan salt. You don't taste any of that shit. You're like, this is a good fucking soup. You know what I mean? So it's the same thing with mixing, where you want to listen to the mix, and you want it to be like, damn, dude, those guitars, bass, the mix sounds sick. You're not like, oh, man... That guitar tone, I like how he put the 2K slightly above the 1.5 on the. You know what I mean? Like you gotta, they gotta work together. They gotta lock like a glove. It's an interlocking piece of a puzzle, and they're pissing all over each other. And when you do that, there's not clarity in the mix. It doesn't sound tight, focused, and massive. It sounds muddy and it's fighting. So that's something that I think he could definitely work on. But I have a good compliment for him, and I think he fucking nailed the vocal mix in a lot of places. Like the Vocals on this sound pretty fucking good to me, and I was pretty stoked about that.
4: Yeah, I thought, oh, actually, you know what? Let me go back to that mix bus compression thing. A little cheat like hack that I've found that you can kind of hear hear these types of things like way more clearly. If you, follow me on this, first step, put your mix into mono. Next step, flip the phase on your left and right so it pretty much cancels everything that's out in the middle and you'll be able to hear your sides pumping a lot more, and you'll be able to hear... Like, if you do that with this mix, you can hear it really extreme, and you'll just hear everything except for the kick, snare, and vocals, pretty much, and it's all just kind of going... (laughs) the whole time. You know, we don't really need to do that, but every once in a while, I'll I'll flip that on to make sure I'm not hitting things too hard, because I don't want to hear that at all, you know, because chances are... It might get brought out even more in mastering or or whatever, you know, but I don't want to hear any of that stuff unless it's being used creatively.
1: Yeah. Pumping is bad. Movement is good. And it's good to use movement as a creative tool. Again, if you've heard the hearing compression fast track, then you know what I'm talking about. But on a mixed bus, it can be really, really dangerous. And you also got to pay attention to bottom end on compressors because compressors react to low end. So a lot of that pumping on the tom, you know on the tom fills and things like that, it's coming from the bottom end of the toms is too ferocious for the compressor mm-hmm. and you're just digging in too much. So every time it hits it, it just takes the compressor and slams the needle back and it just chokes the whole mix. So every time that tom comes in or the kick, it just literally takes the whole mix and just makes it smaller. So you get this cool, big sounding kick and then it's just like, eh, fuck everything else. Oh, back up. All right. Oh, here comes the next drum hit. Boom, back down. So it's just beating the shit out of the mix over and over and over the Mix is like, dude, I just want to be heard.
4: <laughs> I just want to party, bro.
1: <laughs> yeah, come on.
4: Yeah, I felt there was an like a little too much 150-200 in, in the bass a little bit, kind of just getting a little muddy in that range. Um, again, at 237, there was a misfired snare sample. Um, and same thing, just giving, giving it away that you're replacing them.
1: What did you guys think of the vocals?
4: I thought it was good. I thought it was a, a tad dark overall, though. But in relation to all the other mixes that were like insanely bright, you're right. This one was like by far the best.
1: Yeah, it was smooth. It didn't, I didn't hear anything that like really irritated me. Yeah. Like depending on the, the high vocal, like, the, you know, Anthony goes up high and he's down low. And like, I'm not like, oh, that frequency totally. is blasting there. You know, that needs to be EQ'd out and automated. It's kind of just like, yeah, man, I'm listening to the song and I'm like, I'm getting into it. So Yeah, I felt good. You did a really good job, I think, mixing his vocals overall.
4: I thought the vocal swell coming out of the bridge was really cool. And uh, yeah, need to remix the record and re release it, yeah, yeah. But again, you know, like at a at a at this type of band, or whenever there's kind of like a, I mean, I, I guess it's hard because it, it's mainly, ha- I think that it, it mainly has to do with like when you're dealing with local bands or uh smaller bands, they may not have thought their whole production through you know and you're getting bands where it's like hey we want you to mix our record like we think our guitar tone sucks and we had to track our drums in the in the closet and we're not really sure if we're singing the right vocal melodies so anything you can do to improve the song we would appreciate that i think that's totally you know what i mean but it's totally different <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's a great example but i mean that's that's the type of stuff that you know i mean like we all started out with those projects, you know, and if you throw a reverse like vocal swell thing on a, on a bridge, like that's the type of thing that'll dazzle a band into into thinking that you're a fucking wizard, you know. And it's like, oh my god, this song is so sick because it has the fucking reverse vocal swell thing. But that's so true, you know. But at a certain level, that all those little tricks. Almost you know, and as I think it, you'll find it mainly as the bands get older and more salty, then it becomes like they want l- <laughs> they want less and less of those tricks. You know, so it's like, dude, we want to do a natural record, no fucking
1: samples, no producer. Totally.
4: Yeah. We just want to be in a room and jam, you know, no
1: fucking record label contract. Yeah. No overdubs,
4: no overdubs,
3: man.
1: (laughs) But
4: yeah. Live recording. But yeah, so that's, that's the only thing I would say, you know, it's like at a certain, at a certain level, you're going to get these mixes and every little detail has been thought out and already been prepared. You know, like, even to the point of, like, that little ghostly effect on, on the chorus. I mean, on the uh, on the bridge. You know, like, the whole reason why that was printed is because that needed to be there. So, yeah. But other than that, I thought you did, you know, I thought all these were kind of okay. You know, I, I wouldn't want to tell anyone they're they're. I didn't think anything was so bad that it was like, you need to stop mixing and go... Work somehow.
2: <laughs>
1: well, and re- rethink of-
4: your options for the future. Yeah.
1: I mean, regardless of how good any mixes. Guys, we all started and when we all started mixing, our mixes fucking sucked. I mean, I'm working on uh, putting together multi tracks for something really awesome we're going to be doing next month and I'm pulling out shit from like 2008 and I'm just like opening up my sessions, looking at my workflow and my my face turns white. I'm like, what the fuck was I doing putting this bullshit on that? Like, why did I do that? It sounds like shit. You know, it's it's kind of entertaining. So, you know, you got to start somewhere
4: and you got to put in the time. youth youthful indiscretion it takes time I call those my audio one years where <laughs> where every track was just called audio one and it was like I didn't I didn't know any better. And you go back and you open up those sessions, and you're like, "What the hell?" Like audio one, one audio one du- duplicate one, audio two duplicate two. Like what the hell? Where's my snare drum? <laughs> audio one years. That's great.
2: Yeah. <laughs> audio one duped
1: 464 up 0.3 dB. Yeah, totally. You just
4: yeah, it's just embarrassing.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, everybody starts somewhere. So you just got to put in the time, keep working on this stuff, guys. You're getting better. It's always fun every month to see how different people mix different things, you know, like metal drums on Country Month or yeah <laughs> you know yeah. Uh, brutal bombastic drums on a seosin. Um, now can we get some country drum or you know, like some light rock indie drums on a death metal song or something right. you know what I mean like, and we all we all do dumb shit when we mix because you know that's how you
4: learn and
1: you grow and, and you know eventually you figure it out.
4: And it gets easier. Well, I think the 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 biggest trap that a lot of these guys are falling into is is wanting to go too fast too soon, you know? Yeah. And like they're just they haven't quite mastered like the the baby steps yet. I mean, like I've what's funny, I I'm a, I'm seeing this exact thing with my kid right now. I have an 8 8-month-old eight boy and he's like trying to walk. And he just keeps falling, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? And it's like, dude, you can barely crawl. Like, why? Are, and he just gets so mad because he's like, and I want to smash into the wall, and they're like, What the hell? Why is that wall in my way? He's like, I want to get up and fucking run around this house right now, like with, with my sister. But you know, I can't even fucking crawl. And you're like, dude, you got to get the basics before you start sprinting. You know, like, <laughs> did you call your son, dude. Yeah, yeah, bro. <laughs> <did> hey, bro. <laughs> bro. Hey, bro. You need to walk <laughs> bro. <first>. Hey, bro. <laughs> you know, but like, it's the same thing with mixing. You know, you kind of got to get like the the fundamental mental elements and it and it sucks because no matter what as soon as you open up any session you want to compare it to like the big million dollar mix and you're like why the fuck is mine not as good as theirs you know and then you read the interviews and it's like oh i'm just doing the simple stuff or here's all the tricks i'm doing so you try those tricks and they don't work but you know it, it takes years to to get to that point where you're where you can actually sit back i mean you know to give you an example of how so when when i mix translating the name I referenced uh, Blindside Silence for that record. And when we left the mix, like, again, this just goes to show like how your ears develop over time, and, and at a certain point your ears just aren't developed in the beginning. Like, me and the rest of the guys, we were like, dude, this thing sounds exactly the same, if not better, than Blindside Silence. Like, I can't even tell a difference. You know, and now you listen to it now and you're like, that could not be farther from the truth. They sound so drastically different, you know, but it's like, you know, it's amazing
1: you say that because we were kind of talking about that the other day. I was remembering maybe like, let's just say five to eight years ago, Mm -hmm. sitting there like, you know, you throw up like nickel back and the band's like, oh I'll get it like this. And you're like, dude, my drums sound like you know, they sound just like that, they're like that big, and my guitars, and, and you're like, Yeah, dude, this is pretty close, and you're A Bing it, and then you look back and you're like, No, not even fucking yeah.
3: close.
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It happens to all of us. But yeah, you just wanna you wanna get it there and you wanna get you wanna feel like you're doing a million dollar mix, but it's just it's not gonna happen for a long time. Even when you get good, it's fucking hard. Oh yeah.
0: The Unstoppable Recording Machine Podcast is brought to you by Balaguer Guitars. Found <laughs> In 2014, Balaguer Guitars strives to bring modern aesthetics and options to vintage-inspired designs. Go to balaguerguitars.com for more info. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Fishman, inspired performance technology. Fishman is dedicated to helping musicians of all styles achieve the truest sound possible, wherever and whenever they plug in. Go to fishman.com for more info. To ask us questions, make suggestions,
3: and interact, visit nailthemix.com slash podcast and subscribe today.